Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Save for Later from Guardian Australia, a podcast about internet culture and the tabs our brains just can't close. I'm Michael Sun. And I'm Alex Gorman. Coming up, stan culture spills into the courtroom. There's a certain energy now in the internet that can kind of create that spiral in a lot of different terrains, even if it's a defamation trial between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Just a quick heads up, because we're talking about the online conversations surrounding the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp defamation trial, there is going to be some discussion of domestic violence in this episode, but we're really focusing on what's happening outside the courtroom and online. You know, people might be making content with that sound without even really fully knowing anything about the trial. Now it's just one of the many sounds that kind of flow through the algorithm. Michael, I have seen some horrible things on TikTok this week, more horrible than usual, and they are absolutely haunting me. Oh, no. I'll set one of them up for you. We're at a Starbucks drive-thru and there are two tip jars sitting on the counter. The Starbucks I go to has tip jars that have Johnny versus Amber on them. One is labelled Heard for Amber Heard and the other is labelled Depp for Johnny Depp. A woman filming cheers, go Johnny! Go Johnny, go number! <laughs> and jams a dollar bill in the tip jar. Oh my God. Oh, Alex, even hearing you just recount that TikTok is like deeply disturbing without a- any visuals attached at all. Yeah, th- and the most disturbing part is that is one of many, many TikToks. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's doctor testified today in court and it's pretty damaging for Amber Heard's case. He was asked about and referenced text messages that Johnny Depp... If you've been anywhere on the internet at all in the last few weeks, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial is unavoidable. It seems like every time you open any social app, you get an either another horrifying detail from the trial. So Johnny testified that on May 20th, as we know, his mom passed away. And he says that put things in perspective for him. And he realized that he needed to end this relationship with Amber. Or you get another horrifying detail from the stands that have been absolutely waxing the discourse. Así que necesito hablar de esto. El supuesto producto de maquillaje que usaba Amber Heard le daba Johnny Depp. Yeah, unfortunately, I've definitely seen this all over my feed as well. Like, I've seen people making fan cams of Johnny Depp. Mind blown. This is insane. Watch this part first. At the center of it all, though... Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard for defamation because of an op-ed she published in the Washington Post in 2018, which implied she was abused by Depp 
which he denies. Depp now claims that Amber Heard was the abusive one in the relationship, which she denies as well. And this civil trial, which is not criminal proceedings, is now broadcast live and playing all over the internet out of the courthouse. The Johnny Depp stands have well and truly logged on and the hashtag Johnny Depp is innocent has had literally billions of views. We did want to find out what's going on, how post Me Too, how did Johnny Depp even become the hero of this trial? And where have these online communities rallying around him even come from? It's all very strange, but luckily we have brought someone on to help us wade through the muck it's Luke Winky. He's a freelance journalist and chronic poster. Bylines pretty much everywhere. He's also over on Substack on the aptly named On Posting. <laughs> Luke, hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Luke, you were in Slate last week writing on the Depp versus Heard case and specifically um, about how the online stands uh, have really almost like weaponized both sides of this trial on TikTok. Can you bring us up to speed um, as to what this saga even is and where it started? My editor actually reached out to me a few months ago saying that she wanted to do something on, you know, kind of the the online fandom that is sort of consolidated around this Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Um, and I think that really reached Napogee these past couple of weeks when the trial kind of kicked off about the the latest trial of that include Johnny Depp and these allegations. There was, there was another one last year, I think, in the UK. I think the things that kind of took me by surprise is the scale, like tweets about, you know, hashtag Johnny Depp is innocent, like are getting like hundreds of thousands retweets. Like there's, there's a few, if you tweet anything about, you know, Amber Heard is, is innocent or taking Amber Heard's side, like those tweets are really kind of found out and kind of assaulted on like, on like a BTS level scale of like, like the kind of crazy stuff we think about online fandom is totally kind of taken root here in a much kind of sadder and weirder arena, but also just, you know, um, it's just a weird collection of people that are involved, clearly young women who you know grew up being you know really into Johnny Depp to kind of like men's rights activists, just your other kind of general, just very online psychos. Just a weird confederacy of people have kind of gotten involved here. And uh, I think it, I think everyone that's sort of paid attention, it's taken a lot of people aback. It took me aback for sure. It's a hard thing to kind of square, given how generally uh treating, you know, a domestic violence case with the sort of like rooting interests of a standum just sort of feels unseemly for obvious reasons. You mentioned this isn't the first defamation trial regarding these allegations. In 2020, Depp's libel suit against British tabloid The Sun went to trial after the paper referred to him as a wife beater. He ended up losing that case, but there didn't seem to be nearly as much attention surrounding it. What do you think is different this time? This case is being kind of broadcasted live. Like, their clips are coming out of it every day of, you know, Amber Heard on the stand, Johnny Depp on the stand. And that has allowed people to really kind of, like, just really scrutinize these clips and kind of reading the the body language of Depp or Heard to the sort of... Uh, to, to kind of engage in some sort of conspiratorial thinking, you know, in the same way, you know, your friend might... Uh, watch the Zabruder film a million times to figure out, you know, how many shots were, <laughs> were fired in the JFK assassination or something like that. I, I think this one is more public. It's more easily accessible and therefore the standum around it has become more accessible. It's, it's kind of been all brought to the surface. So does this sort of speak to, I guess, the dangers of broadcasting a judicial process at all that if you videotape an entire trial, it can be remixed in this way. 
I feel like most people have only consumed the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial purely through kind of viral video clips. I don't think anyone, mm-hmm. I'm sure a handful of people are sitting down and really watching the, you know, minute to minute proceedings. Uh, but I think most people have kind of followed this case through the stuff that's kind of flitting through their timeline. And maybe the stuff that's flitting through their timeline that is originally authored by a pretty hardcore pro Johnny Depp person or some pro Johnny Depp, you know, fan account or something like that. And I think that has an effect for sure. I'm very interested in um, something you said about the actual communities which have really responded to this. Some of the most toxic corners of the internet we're talking. It was the JK Rowling stands because of Depp's role in Fantastic Beasts. Sure. It was the Marvel stands um, who were like weighing in on Amber Heard, you know, like getting canned from the film, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I, I believe you mean DC stands, not so. DC, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Now I'm cancelled, I'm cancelled. <laughs> Defamation case against me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was actually going on with, with those communities? Yeah, I, I think the thing that I found kind of, I, I guess I can understand how the machinery of fandom could work in a way where all of a sudden you've been radicalized to believe that Amber Heard is lying about everything. I, I think the thing that I found interesting, Michael, was that when we think about like QAnon or things like that, other kind of weird sort of internet fantasies that have spiraled out of control, a lot of that stuff happened on like 8chan or like these really, the, the real bowels of the internet where the real like unseemly stuff happens. Like this is a little bit different, like on the front page of Reddit, you know, a website that a lot of people visit. That's, that's pretty well within mainstream conversation. The consensus is very pro pro Johnny Depp on TikTok, Like you mentioned, like there's like, I, I see so many reports of people saying that their algorithm is giving them kind of purely pro Johnny Depp stuff. This doesn't feel like some fringe, cultist group that, you know, kind of was brewing somewhere unseen and have kind of jumped out out of nowhere. This feels like it was happening a little bit more kind of in plain sight, which is sort of the uh, the baffling thing about all this stuff. So you've actually talked to some of the stands who are sort of engaging in the discussion of the trial. Can you tell me a bit about who these people are? Because I imagine that's informed your diagnosis that this isn't a fringe issue. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I talked to two uh, two young women for the story that I just I just plugged in the hashtag uh, Johnny Depp is innocent, whatever. All the usual hashtags they're posting, and then tracked down two young women that want to speak to me. And I I don't think these women represent the consensus opinion across the board. You know, again, there's so many people tweeting this stuff, so it's hard to kind of you know pin it down to uh, to one kind of consensus that everyone has. I guess the thing that I found surprising about our conversations is. I think both women were really clear about how they identify as feminists that have pretty progressive politics, seem to be aware that, you know, kind of implicitly coming to the defense of Johnny Depp is maybe contrary to some of those values, but still kind of see this as an exception that they just kind of feel firmly in the right. And that was even the people I didn't talk to when I was scrolling through all the accounts that were posting about this. I saw people that had like hashtag free Palestine right next to their hashtag, you know, Johnny Depp is innocent, which oh my God, I know, I mean, which I think, you know, pa- like Palestinian sovereignty is a really <laughs> progressive issue. You know, we associate that very much on the left. So yeah, definitely was strange to see people squaring those two things that feel like they're at odds with each other at, you know, being a progressive, being a, on the right side of history about all these things, but also thinking that Johnny Depp has been been framed here by, by Amber, Amber Heard. Right. So are they thinking about it as activism in the same way that Free Britney 
was thought of as activism? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's there's a real similarity there. Actually, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I because I like free Britney is a different case entirely. I think we're all pretty pro free Britney. Britney should have been should have been freed, right? But like, I remember even in the heat of that, I saw people like like watching like the Instagram videos she was posting and like trying to like pick up on like these like cryptic clues that she thought she was dropping, like, almost in the way that like people would watch like. Taylor Swift Instagram posts and like figure out what the next, uh, mm. you know, Taylor's version is. So yeah, <laughs> I, I like definitely see the same kind of mindset of like almost reading this trial. Like it's a, like it's a text rich with symbolism or, or, you know, foreshadowing when in reality, you know, we have two people in a really horrible situation, just kind of disemboweling themselves in public. But also to your point, Alex, yeah, they definitely see it as activism. You know, they they talk a lot about the community they found here, the friends they've made here. They are all like that's that's definitely a thing too. That I think they've all kind of made friends and kind of found sort of a, a solidarity in the way that I guess activism tends to do, even if it's kind of hard to call this activism. But yeah, I definitely think that they they see it that way for sure. The Free Britney comparison, um, I think, is really interesting because, like, I think Free Britney, that entire movement almost gave too many people too much agency into thinking <laughs> that whatever clues they could pick up would, were correct. Yeah. In the Britney case, it then turned out that many of these, like, hidden clues and hints were actually intentional from Britney's part. Right. Then applying it to, like, other pop culture phenomena mm-hmm. like this case people are coming up with like insane conspiracy theories that are just like completely absolutely not correct like i think one popular one that i've seen recently is the theory that oh my god like amber heard was snorting coke on the stand right, like right. a tweet about that had two hundred twenty thousand faves on twitter and i'm like why are people feeding into these so rapidly is it because of that thing where people think that they've cracked other mysteries there must be like a deeper grand narrative to this one as well sure yeah that video you mentioned i saw it that that's like the crazy thing right you see that video where like you're right like two hundred thousand retweets like two hundred thousand people all apparently claim to see amber heard bumping a line of coke on, on the witness stand and then you watch the video and you you it's like you don't see that at all. It's like it's crazy the the game of telephone people are kind of playing with this stuff or how consensus about, you know, what's going on this trial can just sort of come about without what what feels like anyone actually watching it or 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 consuming it as a whole. It's 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 bizarre. This kind of gets to like the when I tweeted out the story, I just kind of wrote like I I, I kind of wanted to avoid putting Johnny Depp's name in there because I didn't want to invite a, a million people tweeting at me. <laughs> uh, so I, I just I just said like I, I wrote about the the QAnonification of all things, which is kind of how I mm-hmm. I feel about it. I just sort of I feel like maybe we're coming to learn that something about just the way the internet works right now or the way the algorithm works right now that the kind of like sureness that there is some sort of huge conspiracy happening, maybe we're going to see that apply to a lot more stuff beyond, you know, the Trump presidency or something like that. Maybe there's a there's a certain energy now in the Internet that can kind of create that spiral in a lot of different terrains, even if it's a defamation trial between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. There was even another wilder theory regarding cosmetic palettes. Alex, um, you know more about this. Yeah, so... 
In opening statements, Amber Heard's attorney kind of gestured towards a colour-correcting cosmetics kit and said that this was something that Amber Heard had become very accustomed to using to cover up bruises. This is what Amber carried in her purse for the entire relationship with Johnny Depp. And then the brand of that specific kit that the attorney was holding weighed in. So Milani Cosmetics took to TikTok to show the fact that this product was actually made in 2017. And said, we didn't make this palette available until 2017, so after their relationship was over. So in the full context of the trial, it's very clear that the attorney is talking broadly about the idea of colour correcting cosmetics, but the TikTok narrative around it has been that she was referring specifically to this exact cosmetics kit. Do a little bit of research, team. Come on. Now, a TikTok creator decided to take it into her own hands and go to the courtroom to show Johnny Depp's lawyers about this evidence. And therefore, she must be lying. I mean, the fact that a brand is literally co-opting this kind of investigation is the final frontier for, like, the true crimification of society. Like, like we are all just playing armchair detective. But the fact that Milani Cosmetics, like, a, liter- like a literal conglomerate, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around who had that brand, would have been like, it's a good idea for us to make our own investigation TikTok. Like, what? Well, the wildest thing about that is that if you look only at their social media metrics... They were right that it was a good idea. That video blew up and got them much more attention than they have ever received previously. Now, you could argue from a sort of brand marketing perspective, if being associated with a messy and horrific defamation case with like horrible allegations on all sides is good for your brand. But if you're just looking at the numbers, it worked for them. It's undeniable that a lot of people, including the people I interviewed, believe some pretty wild conspiratorial stuff. And also, you know, from like an American perspective, we live in a world right now where, you know, uh, the wife of a Supreme Court justice thinks that the election was stolen in 2020. And that's an opinion shared among a whole lot of people out here. So, yeah, probably. I mean, like uh, we, we have plenty of precedent at this point that people can believe a lot of the wild stuff they see online and mobilize in a pretty visible way. So I think we need to talk about one of the most distressing things that I've seen online. On TikTok, there are trending sounds, not just hashtags, which creators can remix and create new videos using the original sound. And there are hundreds of these viral TikToks which use the sound of Amber Heard testifying about her alleged sexual assault, essentially implying that they are sexually aroused by the details of the case. Uh, It seems to me like the mechanics of TikTok itself are allowing this trial to be co-opted by stan culture and decontextualizing some really, really horrible audio. Do you think the platform has any responsibility to stop it? No, I think that's one of the big questions that's kind of come out of the story is, you know, if you are TikTok and you know, you're allowing, you know, all of this sort of pro-debt content just sort of pop up on people's For You pages. And you're right, that kind of echo chamber that creates where all of a sudden people are, you know, people might be making content with that sound without even really fully knowing anything about the trial. It could be completely de- decontextualized and, and stripped of all of its, uh, all of its actual kind of grave ramifications and now now it's just one of the many sounds that kind of float through the algorithm 
Something else that strikes me as very strange about this whole kind of ballooning thing is that TikTok is kind of known for being the youngest of the social platforms in terms of its audience. Why do people born in the 90s and 2000s care about Johnny Depp? That is like one of the beguiling mysteries here is like, how do this many people care about Johnny Depp in, in, in 2022? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, the the people I, sp- I spoke to just said that they like really love Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, are, are some Potter fans and like the 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 post Harry Potter Potter movies that I didn't even really know he was in until I started working on the story. Uh, maybe we're underestimating though. Maybe if you're born in 1997 and you know, you're eight years old when, when Pirates of the Caribbean comes out, maybe, maybe we are just now kind of understanding the, uh, the formative figures, uh, for zoomers, you know, as they get a little bit older and can express themselves more. Maybe they, they, he got in early, who knows? Luke, it's so funny that you mentioned that specific year because that is also the year that I was born. And I can conf- I can confidently, and obviously extremely anecdotal case, I can confidently say, like, say that for most of my cultural consciousness. Like, I can only really remember Johnny Depp as this, like, beady-eyed, besmirched <laughs> movie star fallen from grace. Uh-huh. Allegedly beady-eyed allegedly and besmirched. No, 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 no. Factually beady-eyed, allegedly yeah. besmirched. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I can barely recall him in his, like, golden era at all. So mm-hmm. it seems impossible to me that there are actually this many Gen Z stands. But then on the other hand, maybe the reason that there are so many younger stands is literally just because of what we were talking about, the all-seeing algorithm like pushing and rewarding people who cash in and post and consume content about this trial to get more and more clicks and more and more views. Yeah, it's one of the weird things about covering anything right now is it's so hard to know what is real and what is not. Like in the story, I referenced that there's there was a some analytics firm did a study that said like I think 11% of the accounts they surveyed that had a Amber Heard or Johnny Depp hashtag were bots, you know, just basically trying to get traction, trying to cash in in some way. You also have the people that, you know, are just going to be vultures for whatever is currently going viral. And they see that, you know, that this trial is kind of lighting up the timeline, lighting up the algorithm. They're going to cash in without having uh, a dog in this race. You know, we, we all we all know social media is a pretty cynical game that way. Yeah, I've definitely seen Distractify compilations of like the five craziest moments from the trial today (laughs) framed up as like a very clear cash grab in a way that seems to think nothing of the ethics of the material of the case. (laughs) Yeah, especially when you, if you see like, you know, someone makes some tweet about how Amber Heard is getting an unfair shake here and then they get like, you know, they, all of a sudden they have like 20,000 replies from from Johnny Depp stands. It does make you wonder, like, how is this? Are we sure all this is real? Are we sure that every single one of these accounts is real? It just, it just is so hard to uh, hard to fathom. Like, maybe it is. Who knows? But yeah, it's bizarre. And when a trial becomes a circus like this, I feel like we've seen in past cases as well that often it's the person who is quote-unquote cancelled who then ends up being able to resurrect their career just due to the sheer amount of media attention placed on them. Of course, I am talking about Louis C.K. winning a Grammy. Just these cursed cases of people being able to come back into the public eye after alleged wrongdoings. One of the many examples that like maybe the things we hear about cancel culture of it being, you know, kind of permanent and super punitive just 
<laughs> it's never, never, never really the case, right? You know, it's it's hard to think of many people who haven't made a comeback in one way or another, despite them complaining that they've been blackballed. Given that Johnny Depp has said that this is to clear his name, do you think, given this this groundswell that we're seeing, that in a way he's already won, regardless of the ultimate outcome of the trial, which could continue for another several weeks? I mean, the thing with this trial is we uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know it's hard to prove a defamation case in in the U.S. You know, that those are really hard cases to prove. Like he already lost a defamation case in the U.K. suing the Sun for similar things. It's hard to imagine that this is going to end differently for him out here in America. But despite that, I do feel that the water has been muddied enough now by. Just the relentless posting, the stands, et cetera, that he has won in some ways in, in public consciousness. Luke, thank you so much for taking us through the incredibly dark and intricate machinations um, of this case. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Luke. Thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. If you've been upset by anything you've heard today and you or someone you know needs to talk to someone about domestic violence or sexual assault, you can call Lifeline on 131114 or 1-800-RESPECT. Coming up, I stop by Fashion Week. And I'm incredibly bored. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Okay, on a hopefully much lighter note, Alex, you have been chaotically busy. You've been at Fashion Week. Oh, sorry, I should say Afterpay Australia Fashion Week. You don't have to name the sponsor. (laughs) This is the Guardian, babes. We'll call it Fashion Week, Australian Fashion Week. Incredibly cursed full title. You've been there, IRL. Meanwhile, I've just been sitting at home playing armchair critic um, to every person at Fashion Week, every person on that runway. I have to ask you, Alex, my burning question why is all the Fashion Week content I've been seeing so boring? First of all, can I just say that you might be bored on your feed for a second at a time, but I have to wait in queues in fancy outfits for full stretches of minutes. So who is the bored one? My condolences. Who is the bored one? <laughs> Me going to real life Fashion Week or you watching? But I'd actually like to ask you, like, what flavour of Fashion Week content are you consuming? Because platforms matter here. Okay, I feel like I'm consuming most of it over on like 95%, I'd say like on Instagram, where I'm seeing a lot of influencers and fashion industry people posting the exact same things over and over again. Some of my friends are also there and some of them, thankfully, um, are being incredibly bitchy and critical (laughs) um, of Fashion Week. Checks out. I, I hear you. Meanwhile... Talking about other platforms on TikTok, there is pretty much nothing. Under the hashtag AAFW, the official hashtag of the year, 
There are like 10 TikToks which, which were posted yesterday at time of record. And many of them are just like incredibly basic, like outfit videos or like a vlog for the day. There's nothing particularly new or funny or exciting being posted at all about this. Yeah, that is true. Fashion Week is not really a TikTok event yet. And the dearth of posts about Fashion Week on TikTok kind of demonstrate that. Meanwhile, I've looked it up on CrowdTangle and in the last 24 hours, there were at least 277 public to the grid Fashion Week posts on Instagram and they got a total of 160,000 interactions. So it is very much an Instagram platform and that is not including stories and stories is actually where almost all of the Fashion Week chatter is happening. Now, about your repeated images on Instagram, that's actually what designers are trying to do. So you clearly follow a number of influencers and people who work in the fashion industry because when you stage a runway show, what a designer is trying to do for social is create a single moment that is really easy to capture and you can take a photo of really quickly. So it might look like models all clustering together at the end of a runway in a final walkout, which is something that the very problematic Dolce & Gabbana really perfected. Um, It might look like a presentation or setup where you've got a really elaborate step and repeat and there will be several models posed that you can photograph or there will be a space where you can kind of pose with set pieces to take photographs yourself. And if you follow a lot of people who are all going to the same show, what you're going to see is the same moment over and over and over again on your feed because there is only one thing that's been set up to photograph. Mm -hmm. Okay, so number one, I'm hearing that it's my fault. Um, (laughs) I totally accept this blame. I'm, I'm too invested in these people and that's why I'm seeing it over and over again. Well, basically, Fashion Week runs on a super tight schedule and you've got these extreme time constraints. So... Your runway show only goes for 15 minutes. You could only cram like one photographic moment in there. Which I totally get and like definitely understand that there's, you know, a huge disparity in just the sheer time and labour involved between posting an Instagram and posting an, an elaborate constructed TikTok. But it still doesn't answer my actual deeper gripe here, which is that my take, um, if you will, is that Australian influencers are just so boring. Obviously, hashtag not all influencers, et cetera, et cetera. There are definitely those which are making more fascinating content. But by and large, the content that we're seeing is truly just the milk toast, the cookie cutter, like one one Instagram story of the exact moment the designer wants you to share. There really has not been any kind of thought put into what their audience wants to see, which is my issue with this whole thing. It's like, like if you're an influencer, I feel like you have, you have a responsibility to be serving the audience as well as yourself. I think like, especially with influencers at Fashion Week, you probably think that your audience is the brand that gave you the ticket to that show and maybe dressed you in the <laughs> clothes. So what you want is some scorching hot takes, maybe mm-hmm. something a little bit mean, a little bit catty. You want them to be serving Estee Laundry and Diet Prada. And if you're on the take from a fashion brand and they dressed you in their clothes and they flew you down to Sydney to go and sit front row in their show, as if you're going to bite the hand that's feeding you.
it's top of the list time where we tell you all about the culture, the music, the TV shows, the films, et cetera, et cetera, that we are consuming. Alex, please tell me you have a happy top of the list this week. Uh, not exactly a happy one. It's kind of a Okay, moving film. swiftly onwards. <laughs> <laughs> so top of my list this week is a movie called Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright, which is one of that rare genre of fashion horror films. It is came out last year but has recently dropped on video on demand and it is not too scary, which is very important for a horror film that I'm going to be watching. I found it pretty scary. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I am a baby though. It's got great frocks and a truly crazy and totally unpredictable twist ending. Michael, what about you? Can you cheer me up? Yes, I can. I am here to give you an extremely wholesome song. It's a new track by Carly Rae Jepsen called Western Wind. She is back. She's in her Solar Power by Lord era. She's like singing paeans to the forest, to California, to the sunshine. When you listen to it, it will make you forget all about the words La Nina and just be embalmed in a sunny dusk. Take me away, Carly Rae. Thank you all for listening. You should do all the usual stuff podcasters ask you to do. You know, leave a review, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you get your podcasts. And also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Friday and is frequently the inspiration for the topics we talk about on this show. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Joe Coding, who also handcrafted the music. Our executive producers are Steph Harmon and Miles Martignoni. We'll catch, catch you next week. week. Wow. <laughs> I think you should leave both of us in, personally speaking. Yeah, love it. <laughs> <laughs>